All right. Hey, good evening, Grace Point. Uh, we're, here we are continuing our Firecracker 5 series, <laughs> the shirt in Matthew. Let's just pick up where we left off. Welcome in. Anybody's listening. Father, I want to ask you, Father, open our hearts up and our minds to the Word of God. Lord, grant us revelation and understanding as I'm teaching and as we're receiving. That's what we need, Father. That's what I need. Help us, Lord, so our hearts will be pliable to what the Spirit wants to do in our lives. I pray for that from a true heart, Lord. Amen. All right, we left off talking about offending uh, little ones. Actually, that, I went a lot longer than I thought I was going there, but I'm going to pick up there and read this again because I want to go a little further there. But whoever causes one of these little ones, these childlike believers in Jesus, who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses come. Man, that should just really give us pause about demanding our own way. So many of us want our own way way too often. We need to allow the Lord to work humility into our lives. I do, and you do too. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, this is how urgent it is. Cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet and to be cast into hell, everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes and to be cast into hell fire. So he's telling you the severity of offense, even in your own life. If you have something in your own life that's causing offense, he's telling you literally it would be better. Now, I don't think Jesus is telling to pluck out our eyes and cut off our hand, but he's telling you it would be better if you did. But in all honesty, what you need to do is get rid of that thing that's offending you. That's the lesson that he's giving here. And he tells you if you're offending people that have childlike faith, in God, it'd be better for you not to even been born, he says in one section. So I, I want to take a look at that. And um, Paul, I'd like to bring Paul into this teaching. Paul deals with that too in the book of 1 Corinthians. It says a warning, he gives a warning in chapter 3. I'm going to start with verse 9. He says, for we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which has been laid, which is Jesus Christ." You don't put Buddha on top of it. You don't put psychology and philosophy on top of Jesus. You don't go try to rework the foundation of Jesus Christ. You build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. If, you're, if you have quit preaching the gospel and you're preaching your people uh, 10 points to success, I'm talking about non-scriptural. There's scriptural ways to be, be a success. 
10 ways to be success or teach them how to win friends and influence people or you're teaching them psychology. You need to, and some of those things, there's wisdom in there and it's okay, it's okay to teach if there's wisdom in it, but you need to build on this foundation of Jesus. You don't want to put a bunch of wood, hay, and stubble on there. You need to put gold on it. And that gold comes from the Word of God. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day, capital D, I believe that's the day of judgment, the day will declare it, the day of the Lord, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved so as through fire. Do you not know that you, as the body of Christ, are the temple of God, and the Spirit dwells in you, the body of Christ, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now, I used to think when I studied that, and just recently I got a broader understanding of it, I used to think, Brian, that meant if you smoked, <laughs> you're destroying the temple, and God's going to destroy you, which kind of doesn't make sense because the cigarettes may destroy you, and you may reap what you sow because you smoke, because it's bad for your health. You may overeat, and you're destroying the temple, right? You may eat too much sugar, and you're destroying the temple. You may not exercise. You may be lazy, and you're destroying the temple. And, and you know, that's kind of how I used to think about that. Now, those things will all have natural consequences if you do them, if you don't take care of your health. We know that, right? But I don't think God is going to destroy you. You may destroy yourself, I don't think that's what he's talking about here. And I used to think that. Now, maybe that's in view a little bit because you are the temple of God and you should not be doing things to damage yourself. But what the Lord is really talking about is destroying the temple. If you come into his temple, which is the body of Christ, and you wreak havoc and you destroy it, you're a gossip, you're a backbiter, you're a troublemaker, you are, you know, you oppose people, you're a slanderer, you're always causing trouble. That's the person that's in danger of being destroyed. Because that is far more serious than if you light up a cigarette. That's far, far worse. That goes back to what we were just learning in Matthew 18, you're offending little ones that believe in me. And this is a very serious point that I want to bring out, and i got to hammer this home. The way of the kingdom of God, the law of the kingdom of God, the new commandment in the kingdom of God is to love one another. Paul has already told us, which I talked about last time or the time before, that we are not to just look out for our own interests, but the interests of others. Take your little gossiping mouth out of the church. Take your critical spirit out of the church. Take your slander out of the church for your own sake. For your own sake. Do it. 
you don't want to offend little ones that believe in Jesus. If you destroy the temple, the Word says, and that's the temple of God, which is the body of Christ, the Word says God will destroy you. He's not going to let you destroy His temple. You ever notice when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, God was with them. He was in the cloud. Was it the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night? It was a a cloud going up by day and it was a pillar of fire by night. But God, eventually, God said, hey, listen, I've got to leave this people or I'll kill them, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's great. And he did. We know about Korah's rebellion, how the ground opened up, and his own people, and they got swallowed up by the ground, those things, because God's holy. And the closer we get to God, and the more God appears and manifests, what you'll notice, the more God manifests, honestly, There's grace everywhere, and there's miracles, and there's power. But if someone comes into an atmosphere where God's moving in power and His presence is there, judgment is all the more, I say, swift or more serious in that situation when the presence of God is there. Look back in the Old Testament. Literally, the Lord had to leave and let Joshua lead him in and lift the pillar because I can't go with you. You're stiff-necked. I cannot go with you. New Testament example, Ananias and Sapphira, the Lord is present. Peter's shadow is healing the sick. The people have great grace on them. People are selling their stuff and giving it to take care of one another. They're walking in great grace. They're walking in great presence of the Lord. And Ananias and Sapphira lie. All they do is lie. And in the modern church, I mean, if God struck everybody down that lied, we'd have a lot of dead people. But God was very present in that newborn church. And Peter looked at Ananias and Sapphira and said, You did not lie to me, but you lied to the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. They fell over dead in judgment. Paul, with Elymas, there was a leader that Paul was bringing to Christ. He was bringing a leader of a town, a magistrate. He was bringing this guy to Christ. And there was a sorcerer, it was a bar Jesus. I don't want to get my stories mixed up here. But this sorcerer was trying to turn this guy from the faith. I think his name was, the, the leader was Sergius Paulus, I believe. And this Elymas guy, he was trying to turn this guy away from the faith. He was whispering in his ear, when Paul was witnessing to him and sharing Christ with him, he was offending a little one that was coming to Jesus. And Paul looked at him and said, you son of the devil, you child of all mischief. He says, you are going to be blind for a season. Boom, put blindness on him. (laughs) Why? Because he was keeping this leader from Christ and that leader was going to affect many Many, many people, and God wasn't having it, and Paul wasn't having it. Because he said, you don't want to offend one of these little ones that believe in me. It's a very serious thing. So the more the presence and the power of God that comes into our midst, okay, the Holy Spirit will not, will not let someone destroy the body of Christ. He just won't. That's why 
and we're going to learn this in later chapters, that's why there's a process of dealing with people. You don't deal with troubled people. You want to protect the body when you're dealing with troubled people. You've got to protect the body, but you're also protecting that person because if they don't stop, they could wind up in judgment. That's just true. There's even more examples of it in the Scripture. I'll give you one more Scripture that talks about this. It's in the book of Revelation. I think it's chapter 2. It could be 3. Where God tells the church that if they don't quit following Jezebel, they're going to get in trouble. He said, I cast Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. Okay, it's not because she's a woman. There were women prophets in the New Testament. Acts chapter 18, Philip had four dollars that were prophets, right? It wasn't because she was a woman. It was because she called herself a prophetess, and she wasn't. She was a false prophet. And the Lord said, I gave her an opportunity to repent, and she didn't. She didn't. And I am going to cast her in a bed of affliction, and anyone that's sleeping with her, they're going to be cast in there with her. So don't tell me judgment doesn't begin at the house of God, because it does. And there's, there's three witnesses in the scripture right there. Amen? Brad, what's your point? That's pretty serious. Don't offend people. Come into the church to build it up. Come into the church to help people. And if you can't do that, please keep your, keep your mouth quiet. Go home and Punch a punching bag or something, but don't bring it into the church. Brian, serious word there. We'll just have to stop right there and pick up there next week.